0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Alyssa with us. She is a school-based pediatric physical therapist and entrepreneur. She's the creator and owner of Move to Learn PT, a practice with the intention of promoting gross motor skills from birth to improve and facilitate learning. Through Move to Learn Physical Therapy, she offers an online course that is a resource for physical therapists, new and transitioning to school settings to enter the niche with confidence. Alyssa, thanks for coming on.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but you're the first person we've had in the pediatric setting and I'm really excited to talk about that because I feel like that's such a an important niche in the world of physical therapy. So thanks for coming on. And with that, would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience a little bit and give a background on yourself? I'd love
1: to. Um, So I am a wife and mom. I have an almost three-year-old son and another one on the way, actually. Um, We are in upstate New York. So we got all four seasons, which we're big fans of. (laughs) And, um, you know, we're I love sharing a little bit more than just like my title and those basic things because um, I just feel like we're so much more than that. So I'll give you a little bit more juice.
0: Definitely. (laughs) Um,
1: So I love dark chocolate and coffee. Um, I'm fiercely loyal, highly analytic. I love solving problems. It really gives me energy. (laughs) And my biggest pet peeve is when I'm having a conversation with someone and they're looking at their phone. Oh my gosh, drives me nuts. So that's a little about me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Perfect. No, thank you. That's good. I like that being able to get a little more in depth and congratulations on growing your family. That's such an amazing time. It's so fun. Yeah. I I really wanted to know so, with this all, how did you first get introduced into physical therapy? And could you explain your career path? Have it something that you've always wanted to do to be a physical therapist or how did that come about?
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. So, I feel like this is like a lot of people, but when i was younger i always wanted to be a doctor wanted to go to med school um and then when i was in high school i was watching do you remember extreme home makeover i do yeah <laughs> okay horrible. so there was this one episode where they went into this house and they um made it totally handicapped accessible and this uh i believe it was like a teenager probably um was a quadriplegic and That was like my first really look at what physical therapy could be besides just like outpatient ortho and i thought wow that's really cool um and then when i looked into it like i said earlier i'm like very analytical like i'm very logical so i was like oh this seems like a really good bang for my buck in terms of like schooling like i won't have to be in med school for 12 years you know, I can still get my doctorate, be in the medical field. And um, yeah, the more I looked into it, the more I kind of liked it. And so that's kind of where I started. And then um, as far as my career going, um, once I graduated, I was actually um, working as a waitress and I had this one regular and I never really, I didn't talk about what I was going to school for or anything like that until I had graduated. And it just happened to be, I don't know if it was really close to graduation or I just found out or something. And I was so excited and I was like, yeah, I just graduated. He said, oh, for what? I said, physical therapy. Turns out he was the owner of like a local um, uh, nursing home group that had like six locations in the area. And he was like, oh, you want a job? (laughs) And I said, oh, sure. Um, so that's kind of where I started. And then, I mean, I can keep going if if you want to hear like kind of how I eventually got to PEDS.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, I do. Because all of a sudden, like, did you ever have, like during your PT school, did you ever have a PEDS rotation or did that ever get introduced to you? Or like, how did that happen? How did you go from going to like <laughs> working in a, in a skilled nursing facility Um, all the way to peds how did what, what was that transition like
1: yeah um so in school um i never really like i liked the peds um you know our peds uh semester but i didn't really think oh yeah like that like i am passionate about this i love this like i'm this is where i'm gonna be um we did have to have one um peds rotation so i did do that at a local um we have uh, a local company that contracts into the schools. Um, So that's where I did one of my rotations. And um, again, I liked it a lot, a lot more than I expected to. Um, We don't have like an outpatient peds um, clinic in our area, which is like really where I kind of wanted to go when I was thinking about doing a rotation. So, um, but anyway, that's just kind of like a side bit. Um, when I started PT school, I, 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 really kind of had that ideal of like that neuro, like exactly what I saw on the show. So like, that's kind of where I expected my career to go. Um, so then I graduated, he offered me this job. I started the job and I actually started before I took my board. So I was there for about three months studying for my boards and working and, <laughs> bottom line i just really hated it <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it wasn't like i think it was more the people i was working with i think that has a huge impact on um, your job uh, because the people i was working with just were very complacent and i was a new grad and i was ready to just like go out and learn all these things and Everybody there was just um, kind of like one one level, you know, like they were go with the flow. They were complacent was the best word I can use. And I really wanted to like jump into things and learn. And I just felt like my brain was turning to mush. <laughs> so with that being said, I reached out to um, the place that I had done my pediatric clinical and I said you know what i really loved it while i was here do you have any openings and they did and kind of that's where i got my foot in the door for peds and uh it has taken off and that is really where i have now found my passion even though that is totally not where i expected to go
0: so that's a long story (laughs) no that's perfect thank you for sharing that because i think that's something so important to to highlight too because i had my first clinical routine full clinical rotation was at a skilled nursing facility and honestly prior to that i had i had kind of heard things and i wasn't super excited about it because i was always like in an ortho mindset but what you said about the importance of the atmosphere that you're in and the co mm-hmm. and everything i think that's such a huge role because i ended up loving that rotation so much because of the people that i was surrounded with like it was it was obviously it was really yeah. cool to work with the people but my CI and all the other pts and ot's that we worked with were so upbeat and so um so influential in that, making it such a great experience for myself and the other students. So I think that's such a great point to highlight. So thank you for that, and that's a cool, really cool to be able to see. Like through that, you're able to find Peds, and you've really obviously had such success with it. And I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into that. I have never gotten kind of into school Peds. I was able to do mm-hmm. an outpatient um, kind of observation during my undergrad. And I really liked that, honestly, that was a really interesting time. But could you share with us a little bit of what the typical day is like in school pediatrics?
1: Yeah, so if you guys listening are PTs, you know um, that in school, you get about zero exposure to school-based PEDS. Um, I think I had maybe a singular class, like not even like a full-on semester, like one class. How about you? Was it about the same?
0: I think, like, I mean, we had, we had a semester worth of PEDS classes, um, and I'm just trying to remember in my head, like, did we go over school-based PEDS? Like,
1: <laughs> exactly, I, I, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so, kind of, how a day goes is, um, also going to be very dependent on, um, what school-based job you take, so, There is just so many intricacies in uh, school-based physical therapy. So you can have a job where um, you're contracted into a school by another company. You can be hired directly by a district, um, or you could be working like where I work now, which is called the Learning Center. So it's a BOCES program where 13 different districts are getting bused into our specific location. So each of those days (laughs) looks a little different. Um, But I'll kind of try and shortly go over how they differ. Um, So for example, when I was in a public school, I was contracted in through another company. This is the the same place that I did my clinical. I was in about six different schools Um, and so you're going in, you're going to your office which sometimes looks like an auditorium, sometimes looks like a hallway, Um, maybe you get like a sliver of a gym if nobody's in there, Um, so wherever they have found to squeeze you. And then you go, you have your schedule, you go pick up your kids. Um, our service services looked like pullout services. Um, again, depending on your state or even your district, it could be push-in services versus pull-out. But that's a whole nother conversation. But for us, we were doing pull-out. So you go grab your kid, go back to your, your space, you do your 30 minutes and you bring them back to class. Um, and hope that they're in class. <laughs> um, and then where I am now is a learning center. So um, I am lucky to be in one location and in one school and have a little bit more of like a PT gym per se. Um, my days look like team meetings in the morning. so. It's really nice to be able to collaborate with the teachers you're working with um, because when you're in the public schools um, or just larger districts, it's really hard to have that time to communicate with your team. Um, So I am very lucky to be able to do that where I am currently. Uh, So we have team meetings, then I'm treating usually eight to 10 kids a day for 30 minute sessions. You know, you have your 30 minute lunch, try and squeeze in some documentation and I might have another team meeting in the afternoon. Um, And that is really specific to me because as a PT, my service levels are a lot lower than speech and OT. Uh, So there's a lot more of them. So they might have three or four classes, whereas I have the whole school, which is 13 classes. So I have a lot more team meetings to attend than those other service providers but that's um a brief (laughs) description of how my day is laid out
0: yeah perfect no I because I I wanted to know a little bit and one of the things I I didn't understand I didn't really know um the pull out versus pull in services I think you mentioned Mm
1: -hmm. what
0: could you explain kind of what that is I I haven't heard of that before
1: yeah so a pull out session would be where I would go to a classroom take the kid from their class and go work on things individually with them Push-in sessions are um, more of working on things within their classroom environment, sometimes with the class, sometimes just in their class, um, and not like taking them to a separate environment. That's like the basic okay. explanation.
0: Well, <laughs> no, that, That's great. Thank you for that, because I, I, yeah. I did, hadn't heard those terms. So I just wanted to, I thought I kind of got the context clues from it, but I just wanted to verify. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, with that, I kind of wanted to know what are some of the uh, common, like, patient presentations that you work with in peds? Um, are there certain, like, similar diagnoses that you work more than with others? Uh, just could you explain a little bit on that?
1: Yeah. Um, so, again, I feel like this is, like, the, the modifier for everything I say. It's going to depend <laughs> on which school you're in, which district, et cetera. But from my experience um, in the public schools or those larger districts, um, most commonly, I was I was um, working with kids with just a global like developmental delay. Um, but where I am now in the learning center, it's um, more higher needs kids. So I'm working with um, Down syndrome, autism, cerebral palsy, um, emotional disturbance, disturbance. Excuse me, and um, multiple disabilities. So kiddos with more than one diagnosis. Um but you're not i would say i did get a little sprinkle of that in the public schools um but that was usually only one classroom so they would have like their little special education kind of like wing and that was maybe one or two classrooms that maybe turned into one or two kids on my caseload um whereas now in the learning center that is my whole caseload
0: gotcha. if that makes sense mm-hmm. that makes sense um, That yeah that makes sense right there so with it all have you realized, kind of, you mentioned that there was more speech, I think, in OT than PT. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. kind of common across the board in, in school-based settings, or is that just kind of something that you've encountered?
1: Um, I'm pretty sure that that is across the board. Uh, speech service levels are really high, usually three to five times a week. Um, OT is definitely two, and they stay on for a lot longer. Uh, in the school setting just because, and we didn't touch on this, but um, one of like the main differences in the schools um, is the medical versus educational model. So everything that we're doing has to be related to their ability to function in the school environment and um, engage in their academic program. So I've, I've been trying to come up with a good example, and I feel like there's just never a good one, but I'll say it anyway. Um, My best example that I've come up with is, if a kiddo is, um, this is to try and describe the difference between the educational and the medical model.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So say a kiddo has to sit in a chair, And normal um, hip flexion to sit in the chair appropriately is 90. But normal, normal, normal is what, 120 or 135, right, Mm -hmm. of hip flexion. Okay, so where I might discharge a kiddo from school-based services would be at 90 degrees of hip hip flexion because now they can sit in a chair and work on their academic task. Whereas in the medical model or outpatient, I might still be trying to achieve that full range of motion. Um, But that full range of motion isn't necessarily required to engage in their academic environment. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's a a good example.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, (laughs) when I start talking about it, there's always like a million questions and it's not really that simple, but um, I think it gets the point
0: across. (laughs) Yeah. I think so. Like just about the function, like being able to be functional in that environment versus like their, their highest quality or highest possibility of reaching. Is that kind of how you. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think the biggest confusion um, comes from parents and administrators and, Pretty much anybody else besides school-based PTs is understanding that, um, you know, school-based PT is not a replacement for outpatient pediatric therapy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a big piece of education that we have to continuously do, um, in addition to just, you know, everything else.
0: That's important education for sure because when the one that I was at is you could definitely like a lot of these kids. I'm guessing that as they were in school, they probably had physical therapy as well in school along with the outpatient. Um, and it, yeah, they, they definitely need all they can can get to be able to really try to achieve that highest quality of life. Uh, another question that I wanted to ask you, and just from the very limited experience that I had, um, and you kind of talked about how you have the like your, your workload and then you have a 30 minute time for lunch and try to squeeze in documentation here and there. I know that it's very consuming working with when you're working in the PEED setting, you need to be really fully engaged with the kids. They, you have to make everything a fun task. You have to have them involved. Just doing, doing a certain exercise isn't gonna be very fun for them or very engaging. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of those important qualities or characteristics that you have found in becoming a successful pediatrics physical therapist?
1: Yeah, so you've definitely hinted towards some of them. Um, you need to be flexible patient, playful, creative, um, because all of those things are, are going to help you be able to, uh, navigate, uh, you know, treating a child, um, because exactly what you said, they won't just do 10 squats, you know, you have to figure out, um, a game to, you know, put a puzzle piece on the floor, And then the actual puzzle is on a table. So if they squat down and pick it up and put it on the table, um, and then maybe they, oh, now they don't like that minion puzzle, even though they just liked it yesterday. Okay, how else can we achieve this? And you just kinda gotta be, try and be flexible and (laughs) and certainly playful. If you make anything into a game, it is, um, they're way more likely to be engaged.
0: Yeah, I remember one. We we're working on like gate step over or something, and it's like kind of just working on like stepping over kind of almost like a hurdle. But then we had to make it like squash the bug, and there's like a little like paper like mm-hmm. bug that we planted <laughs> just to like work on those type of things. And I, honestly, I really, really loved. It. That's honestly one of the settings that I still always like we'll have a special like heart like special spot in my heart for because I think it's such an impactful one and like I love just seeing the kids they're so upbeat like sometimes they have their moments of kind of those little meltdowns and things that that kids have but I feel like they're so upbeat and happy and just willing to do things that sometimes like I mean sometimes in the outpatient or the other different settings people are a little bit more uh I don't know if you could say grumpy or just not as motivated to engage and I think that's hardly the case in in peds. sometimes like I said like the meltdowns will happen but I think that's more of a rarity as compared to sometimes in the outpatient setting so that's I just love that it's such a unique and such a, a cool aspect of a piece like peds physical therapy
1: yeah I definitely laugh a lot at the things that they say or the things that they do
0: <laughs> that's very true they say some pretty pretty funny things in there Um, I also this is another question that I want to pivot from Um, it says so we talked about move to learn physical therapy in the introduction could you share Mm -hmm. with us a little bit about how you created that and why you created it and what it's exactly all about
1: yeah Um, so basically I created it because I had enough of the universe just slapping me in the face like I kept saying no to people And um, because they were asking me about providing services after hours, they were asking me about school, um, school school-based peds, and I kept saying no. And then finally, I was like, why do I keep turning everybody down? (laughs) Like, why not do something about it? Um, So that's basically why I started it, and um, it was a, it was fast and furious, um, because I had one kiddo. They wanted to get started right away. Early intervention was um, taking way too long, and they were like, "Well, I don't want to wait three months for us to get services. Can you do this now?" So, um, in I don't know, probably a week, I it felt like scrambling. Uh, got everything together and and started treating that kiddo. And and I had already been, you know, building my online course, but. It just was the, the final uh, universe <laughs> calling to be like, get yourself together, Alyssa, and just do this. So, um, but the whole, uh, I guess my whole mission behind Move to Learn is that throughout my, my career in pediatrics and in the school particularly, I have really I think developed a unique point of view on how movement and specifically like from birth movement and gross motor milestones, how they have such a big impact on your performance in academia and your your ability to learn. There is so much that goes, that comes from our development that, impacts that and i just feel like i have had such a unique ability to see that see how see the effect of it <laughs> does that make sense
0: it does it does no definitely being able to use your experience your education and your knowledge to help others i think is such a valuable thing um, especially in the PES world where like i said we did have that class and now that i'm thinking about it more we did learn some things about certain documentation things that are unique to p's physical therapy But I definitely, if I were to decide to choose to go into PEDS at this moment without having clinical rotation, I'd feel really overwhelmed. So Mm -hmm. people like you providing these resources, these tools, I think is such a a value to our profession to be able to help us feel more prepared entering into, because it's a unique setting. You can't just, like we said, you can't do the typical therapeutic activities and exercises that you do in your other settings because... These are kids, and if you want them to be involved and stay engaged, you have to do things in a certain way, and know those, like you said, important milestones that will help them achieve and be on the right path to developing their their motor gross motor skills.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think even too, um, another thing I wanted to highlight is. Uh, how do I explain this? Like we know the impact of movement on our mental health and all of these other things. And, um, that is such a big impact on kiddos in school as well. So like providing, like, like educating teachers that movement breaks are going to benefit their kids and actually help them Uh, retain information and help them to stay better focused on learning the academic task versus right now I feel like educators feel like a movement break might be a waste of time because they have their own stressors about um, testing and all of that Um, but really movement has a a very profound impact on uh, a kiddo's ability to sit and learn in the classroom so I don't know it's I just feel like I could go on and on and just spiral about this because it, no. it really has become my passion like there is so much that goes into it and it's like really exciting
0: <laughs> I love it no I love that you have that passion and that you have that desire to to teach this important knowledge to everybody because yeah I, I mean this is just something like off the cuff that you mentioned that I just remember sometimes in class where I'd be so like not there because I'd be wanting to go do something outside or go do some activity just to like Burn energy. I guess it was like when I was. I remember like in elementary school or middle school. I guess that I wouldn't. I would lose that engagement in the class. And I feel like mm-hmm. if you did have those breaks, if you did have those times just to have fun and like use up that energy a little bit, it would help refocus you instead of having your mind just drift to those things. And so I, I loved that topic right there that you that you highlighted. Um, I also wanted to talk about. So you, like you said, you created this company and you started this cash-based Peds outside of school hours. Um, what are some of the big things that you've learned with starting a cash-based physical therapy business?
1: Yeah. So not only is cash-based PT a niche all on its own, but um, in the PEDS setting it is way more niche. (laughs) Um, I feel like I had, I, there was no one really I could look to that had like a solid PEDS cash-based like someone I could just bounce ideas off of. I felt like I, anybody I came across was in the ortho setting. So it was definitely a huge learning curve, um, but there are things that can be applied to the ped setting um, too, of course. Um, but for me, what I have learned about cash pay is it's the best model to provide the treatment that I want to provide. Um, and of course, like there's the initial hurdle of like, talking about money and talking about cash pay to a potential client, but there's ways to overcome that when you value yourself and what you and only you and your experience can provide to them. Um, If you are able to (laughs) sell the transformation of what you are able to provide versus um, just physical therapy, because, um, You know, people still don't really know what that means. Um, And then for me, one of the like main benefits and reasons I love using cash pay is um, because they're literally buying in like with their own money, which means that they are way more likely to put in the effort to implement what you're suggesting. And it also puts me on the line to put in my best effort to give them like the transformation that we talked about. Um, So... I don't know. I've really loved. i really loved this model, and it has given, um, given me and the clients really good results.
0: Yeah, I think that that was such a great point that you highlighted about the importance of them literally buying in. I think committing mm-hmm. themselves to the work that's going to be required in, in getting these results, and not just because, like you said, sometimes physical like finishing a whole plan of care sometimes with people is is a hard thing, and I feel like if they if both sides – I mean, I think we obviously are, are doing our best to commit everything we can, but if they also committed more, it would have – when you commit more to something, you're going to put more work into it, and you're going to try harder mm-hmm. with it. And I think that's such a great point that you highlighted with it. Has it been – so you said there was no outpatient pediatrics in your area, your geographical area?
1: Um. So, okay, that is a little bit of a fib because there is one connected to our local hospital. Um, but that is really kind of like – a funnel from the hospital and then usually they go to early intervention. Like it's from the way I have seen it used at least is kind of like a funnel from the hospital and then they go to early intervention.
0: Gotcha. But there's no
1: like place where you could like walk in and it's like this beautiful Page gym and you know, et
0: cetera, et cetera. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because those are the ones, like, those are kind of the places that, like, that latter part that you just mentioned are the ones that I've been exposed to. Like, I had the observation hours in undergrad and then, like, a clinical rotation. It was, like, a one-day kind of thing, just getting our feet wet and all the ones early on in school. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like, with that, kind of, what do you bring to those sessions? Obviously, you're driving there and you're bringing equipment. Like, what, like, just just to to get my mind in that, what kind of stuff do you bring to each session with the kids? Does it vary by kid or are there certain things that you always have kind of a set list of things that are important to bring?
1: Um, Okay. So you're talking about the, the after hours, correct?
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, So yeah, that's just going to depend on the family, the kiddo, what they're working on. Um, I don't typically bring too much stuff, but that is because they're going to have much better carryover using the things that are in their home. So I try and find things that they already have that they can use, uh, and then implement things from there. Um, You know, I might bring a couple extra things if they don't have them. um, If there's like a specific thing I'm trying to work on, but I'm not one to bring, you know, a giant bag of things because it just Again, if we're talking about carryover, it just hasn't, that's not where I've seen success.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me with carryover. If they're using those things in the day-to-day and they can make that connection with it, then that change can occur more easily. So that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Thanks. I was just curious on that and seeing how, how that worked in, in a PEED setting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just kind of wanted to know, out of all these things and throughout your career so far, what is something that you really wish you had learned sooner that once you had learned it, has made such a big impact in progressing your career?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of have a couple things to say. Um, One, to any students who are listening, what happens in school has very little, if nothing, to do with where you'll end up in your career, where, like, the trajectory is going to take you. So just get through it and pass your boards and <laughs> move on um, because I think that so many of us get caught up in school because that's your life but so much happens after that like don't try not to get hung up on that and <laughs> um, I wish or I guess something that I've been trying to actively do is Trust the process, trust your instinct, trust that everything happens in the timing that it's supposed to. It's super cliche, but um, I feel like my nursing home example, that's like a, a kind of a prime example. Like I, I knew almost immediately that I didn't like that. So, you know, every, I got so much advice like, oh, just wait it out, give it a year, like blah, blah, blah well, why would I waste a year on something I know I don't like, you know? So trust your instinct and and move on. Um, So that's just a little sidebar. But if I had to pick something that if I could learn it sooner, it would have um, like really helped. It would be all the intricacies of school-based practice. But that's exactly why I created the course so that others didn't have to like fumble through all of that and spend years, uh, coming up with, um, all of these, um, ways to do things that I already did. So I don't want people to waste time and energy on all of that. Um, when they can focus on, um, you know, the things that matter.
0: I appreciate that because I think that's such an important thing to be able to help other people, like give them the knowledge to learn from our mistakes and not have everyone have to do them over again. And I think that's such a valuable tool. And I, and yeah, thank you for talking about like the importance of like, physical therapy school like although it's it, it's vital in helping us learn the profession and everything once we get out it's a whole new world and a whole new learning opportunity so i'm, I'm excited for that like i have a couple more months left uh, and i'll be taking the board soon but i love that that perspective uh, before we end is there any other additional advice or information that you'd like to share with us and also um, if somebody's interested in talking with you and and reaching out to you what's the best way to contact you
1: yeah. Um, so I'll give you my contact first. Cause that'll be quick. Um, I do have an Instagram. It's move to learn PT. Um, and my email, if you're an emailer is dr. Alyssa at move to learn PT.com. And then my website is move to learn PT.com. <laughs> so all the same. Um, and my advice, I have, um, it's, I think a couple things. One, protect the license that you work so hard to get um, because people will ask you to do things um, and they are unethical or immoral and just know your practice act like, print it out so you can reference it, use it as a backup and use it as a backup for anybody challenging you, (laughs) you can like point to this document and say, no, no, that's not right. Um, Yeah. Protect your integrity and protect your license because um, for an employer, like they don't, you're just an employee. You know, if you lose your license, then there is no other job for you to get. So that's a big piece of advice. That being said, (laughs) I would say it's much easier to speak confidently when you've found a niche that you're passionate about. I've kind of touched on this earlier. So once you've found that passion, um, you're not only doing better for your patients, but also as a profession as a whole. um, And that just makes for a much, yeah, I guess I don't need to say anything more than that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense because I I love that aspect that you talked about about protecting your, like we've we've done so much of our schooling, we've done so much of our of this education time. Like our license is such a a valuable gift that we've been given because we've worked so hard. And just to like l- not take care of it properly, I think is something that we should definitely not take for granted. And the other aspect about passions, I think that's so key. I like I really know like I I love working with certain populations. And when I'm with them, I want to be hands on. I want to be doing things with them actively, like assessing everything. And I definitely find myself more engaged when I work with those patient populations. And so uh, once you find that, I think that passion that you're at, go after it. And obviously you've done that so well and and have taken these steps to continue to grow and progress and help others who are passionate about pediatrics, school-based physical therapy to learn and grow as well.
1: Thank you, yeah. And then I have one more piece of advice just surround yourself with people who inspire you and motivate you, uh, or have the same mindset that you want. Um, again, we touched on that before with like, um, being in different settings, the people you surround yourself has a huge impact on just your mentality and your approach to just every single day. So find, find those people find like, even if it's just like a group on Facebook or or wherever you find them, just find them.
0: <laughs> well, perfect. That's great words of, of wisdom right there. But Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing um, your experience and expertise in the world of school-based peds, uh, PT. I really was grateful for that and able to get a deeper dive in what school physical therapy looks like. So I really appreciate you coming on. and. I'm excited to be able to share this with everybody. I know that there's been some friends of mine that are interested in pediatric physical therapy. And so I hope them as well as all the other listeners on the podcast are able to really enjoy this episode.
1: Thank you so much. It was so great being here. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out um, about, you know, uh, pediatrics from birth to 21 or school or anything like that.
0: Okay, perfect. Thanks so much. Have a good one. thanks everybody for listening to the podcast i hope you liked that episode if you did make sure to subscribe and also leave a review thanks everybody and we'll see you next time